Okay, and welcome to Wrestling And. Thank you guys for listening to us. We are so happy to be back. And this this episode, we're going to be talking about wrestling and ECW. 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 And uh, you'll be surprised at some of the historical knowledge that we have, the places that we've been. And when I say we, I'm referring to me, at John Ensman. Been a while, guys. And we are referring to the amazing in-ring art Justin, how are you, Justin? It has been a while, and uh, the last time I saw you was in person. How about that? We we got to hang out in person, guys, and, uh, you know, we won't go too much on it, but I will say that the um, the meetup at Button Mash was a success. Would you agree? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, it was very cool. It, it came out, it was uh, very... You know, I sold some drawings. I sold some pins. John was awesome with helping out. Um, I met Peter it, Rosenberg in the first. We met Peter Rosenberg in the first couple minutes, yeah, which was met, cool. We met Peter Rosenberg. Um, Ted, of course, was awesome with all that stuff he had, and just to be a part of it was great. And I sold some drawings and met some cool people. And uh, yeah, I don't know when it's going to happen again, but uh, can't wait. Let's see. I, I thought it was awesome how, because I was your friend, they just trusted me, which was cool, you know? Um, they were like, hey, if he's your friend, he's cool. So they let me have full access and security of the whole place. And, you know, it was fun being able to walk in and out while all the dudes had to stand in line. But, uh, yeah, I, I did a little bit of line, line duty, because, you know, people were trying to sneak into the back. So, uh, <laughs> and, you know, his friend, I did it with Ted's best friend, and that dude was awesome. Okay, that's cool, because, I, I mean... So, you know, I was, I just got a call. Every time I was trying to do something with bracelets, I had to address someone at my stand and everything. And, uh, it just got insane. <laughs> and it was pretty uh, crazy. It was pretty crazy. Like I thought we would be hanging out. And then I come to realize like, I barely even saw you that day because we had to do our own things, you know, like you're selling stuff. I'm back here doing this. And, uh, but it was definitely fun. And it made me realize wrestling fans are pretty intense, dude. Well, there's a lot of crazy uh, motherfuckers out there. A lot of it, you know, just thinking about the people that are traveling half across the world. Of course, to see WrestleMania and all the stuff that went with it, but the people that were there sure. just to buy Ted's stuff is it's just incredible. Um, oh yeah, and, uh, and I met up in the middle of a few very successful people that uh, let's say they weren't uh, too shy on spending money in LA that that weekend. And, yeah, uh, a lot of people are so. saving up for their whole year just to do stuff like this, and. Uh, you yeah. know, also, you know, stash pages. Um, he had a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Matt um, Bobin uh, had a they lot were, of cool stuff. And too. I bought, I bought some stuff from stash pages. I actually got a Dragon Lee mask, and I got his little Hayabusa purse. That thing is awesome. I know that was cool too. If you didn't get it, I would have. So, <laughs> well, it was other way around. I will you say... didn't get it, so I got it. <laughs> At the end of the day, yeah. Uh, well, there you go, because I was thinking about it. But uh, no, that that was pretty awesome, and I thanked a lot of those guys over, uh, over Instagram, and uh, so, and of course they all said, "Oh, you know, it was great seeing you." So yeah, we'll see when it happens again. You know, in Vegas or in LA, we're probably going to be a while for LA. They'll probably do a SummerSlam there eventually. I, I but, it uh, would be great to do something in driving distance. Um, you know, uh, San Francisco yeah, for was sure. a possibility, I guess. Again, um. But Vegas, I could see doing a mania for sure. 
Vegas would be pretty great. Um, uh, I don't want to go to Vegas again, but if it's for Mania, I think it would be worth it. You know what, Justin? Also, too, the thing I'll quickly mention is I did meet a lot of people from all over the world. A lot of British fans. Lots of British fans. Um, I yeah. when I, I I there was this large black gentleman at one of the bars I went to. He actually, I'm not going to lie, maybe I was stereotyping, he looked kind of intimidating, and then when I went up to him and talked to him, he said, oh, hello, how are you doing today? Over at the commits room, was, right? Yeah, yeah, and he was there for WrestleMania, um, met some guys on Monday that were getting ready to go to Raw that night, um, so just, it was just a, it was a great time, it was a great weekend, and, uh, you know, it, it's a special event, it, I, I guess it, not until, uh, the Olympics is it going to be this crazy? But there, there's events there all the time. So yeah, we'll and um, they have a Super Bowl there in the next couple of years. Well, they had it this uh, last year when the Rams. Oh, won. they had it last year. Okay, um, so it'll be like five more years. They'll probably. have another one there. Um, yeah. so. I too that you know there's this this one guy who was really cool that was from Canada and he was messaging me a few weeks before like oh you know I want to get some stuff from you and then also. You know, one of the other guys there is he can have his shirts and all that. And, you know, he ended up showing up, bought a drawing. And, of course, the next day I see him sitting in the second row on TV uh, mm. at WrestleMania. And it was just like cool. And you know, we're, he was messaging me afterwards, where should I go to eat? And I was going back and forth with him. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, he had a good time in L.A. And it's just crazy that people from Canada are like, hey, I want to come see you and get something from you. <laughs> that's just crazy. And. There was this this guy. He didn't have end up buying anything yet, but there's this guy from England, and I'm I'm a huge fan of like British comedy shows. Um, oh, me too. That's what I, how I connect with a lot of British guys is I'll be like I'm a huge fan of this this right. and this, and they'll be like I love that show too. So I don't know if you know this show, but if you don't, I think you'd really dig this show. Um, so this guy kind of reminded me of the show. And he, okay, so um, people just do nothing. What? You hear that show? I, I don't know that one, no. Okay, so it's basically about um, these guys that have, like, an underground rap station in, like, suburban London, I think. Mm-hmm. And they're all, like, you know, think they're the biggest thing in the world, but they have some underground radio station that not that many people listen to. Um, yeah. it's I don't know. It used to be on Netflix. I don't even know where to find it now. Um, it's done mockumentary style. Um, okay. And the main character's name is... Uh, why am I losing his train of thought? Uh, Corrupt FM is the name of the station. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, what's his name? The main character. Here, I'll look it up. But anyways, so the, so one of the things that one of the prize possessions, Grinder. Anthony MC Grindash. Grindr. His name is Grinda. Okay. Grinda. Yeah. Okay. I would watch this show if you could. It's hilarious. But anyway, so one of the, the main character, Grinder. One of his prized possessions is his Averex jacket, and Averex okay. is one of those band, uh, pop, um, not bands, but clothing companies that was famous, you know, in the mid two thousands, early two thousands, like around the time, like uh, I don't know, like Academics or Fubu or Echo, you know, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. A streetwear, and yeah, uh, you know, this British dude was wearing the Averex jacket, and I said, hey, man. I know you're British at all, but the Averex jacket, I don't know if you know that show, People Just Do Nothing, but you just totally remind me of that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's a great show. And, um, you know, I love that show. And I'm really, you know, impressed that you knew that or whatever. And, you know, he had a message. There me. you go. He messaged me something, you know, a couple of days later with a kind of a quote from that show. 
Um, so nice. Sh- shout out to him. Um, it was cool. That's awesome. So it just made And have people... you seen the movie People Just Do Nothing Big in Japan? I haven't. I know of his, of his existence, um, but I don't know where to find it. <laughs> I don't know where. Yeah. I... You know, you might have to use a VPN and uh, log on to BBC because uh, I think a lot of BBC shows, you just watch them on BBC. Yeah, well, uh, I would definitely, uh, knowing you, I think you would really dig the show. People just do nothing. Well, I'm a a massive fan of a lot of British comedies, all the way from uh, uh, Webb and and his homeboy, and then all of Fry and Laurie, you know, to IT crowd, even to Irish... You know anything from Grand Lineman like IT Crowd right, or uh, right or Father Father Ted are are just incredible or shows. Or Hardy Bucks. Um, Have you ever watched? I don't that? know that. I don't know, but but I mean even stand up. I'll watch a lot of British stand up. Yeah. Jimmy Carr just insulting people. Uh, it's just a it's a lot more clever than most American stuff used to be. Uh, American stuff is getting better, but yeah, no, I'm, it was all it's always been great. great so yeah, stuff. I was I'm a big fan of Still Game. Hardy Bucks is basically a Scott uh, an Irish version of Trailer Park Boys, I guess you can compare it to. Oh boy, so it, it's oh, pretty there's good. A uh, Northern Irish one called Dairy Girls on Netflix that's really great. Okay, um, okay. although you it, being it's Northern Irish like. There are points when you might need to use subtitles on that one because it yeah, gets pretty thick. There's some of those, especially when I was watching Still Game, you have to like watch a few episodes to get used to the the um the the basically the the slang. Yeah, yeah, or the some intense dialect changes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not, I I remember one show instead of another, they would say another, another. Right. And I, that took me a while to, and I was like another one. Okay, I, I totally understand it, right. but sidetrack uh, no, on British was, anyway. Great, yeah, it great was event. a great time. Yeah, great. It was a great time, and uh, you know, I went to a few different shows. We went to see NXT. That was fun too. Uh, a lot of memorable stuff. Yeah, um, there. we went with my youngest son to see NXT. I saw the tickets that night, and I'm like, hey man, let's just do this show. Um, you you made that so relaxing for me because I, it was a rough night for me. I would probably partied a little too hard the night before i'm just gonna be honest and uh that day you know you knew all the places to go and stuff so we were able to just get in there and out pretty quick which was very nice yeah yeah we used my same uh parking uh situation that i use when i go to the king's game or actually it was closed and we had we had to park on it the was street closed for but free. we because it was cloverleaf is what you liked right but yeah clover we, cloverleaf uh, parking um shamrock but parking, we found one yeah. pretty close we found one pretty close we found street and we parking were in, about a block away from we had a little park. vip area area so the bathrooms were not crazy yeah and um you know even the concessions weren't crazy or anything uh they were so i did google this by the way so the crypto arena does have the most expensive beers and food in in all of america just to be sure. Yeah. Like, I didn't surprised. realize, but there's places in New York, like the big arenas, where it's half the price. Um, so I don't know why it's just like that there, but... Yeah, I mean, dude, I maybe, you know, I've had the season tickets to the Kings um, for this is my second year. I'm going to be third yeah. after this. And I've bought beer twice myself. Occasionally, oh, I'll take so a friend with it. me to the game that that you know I don't pay make I mean, pay for the ticket or anything and they will buy me a beer but I've bought a beer once um cuz I yeah. just can't do it I can't spend $19 well, on a beer Well and if and if you are an actual person that wants to get drunk at one of these events uh, you're going to be 
paying seventy dollars. I'm so I'm blown $80. away by the people that say, well, first of all, you know, we go to these games and there's just a bunch of people that you can tell are like, hey, let's go to a hockey game. I've never been to one before. And then they're just <laughs> they're not they're barely in their seats and they're getting drunk and they come back and then they leave early. It's like just go to a bar. Jeez. Just go I to know, a bar dude. and leave the real fans alone. Watch the game. Or no, watch yeah, the game. come there to watch the game. Um, if you get wasted and have the money, great. But like, if you're just gonna come here to, it just seems stupid. Go to a bar, go to a club, and even then you'll spend less money or just. Oh, you'll know, spend way less money. At mo- well, at most of them, if I did go to one club that was even more expensive than um, than the arena. Right, but, but you're there to you know to people watching. Yeah, like if you're gonna go to a yeah, if you're gonna go to a hockey game and you're not a hockey fan and you're gonna get wasted, it's like just go to a bar, like just or just yeah. you know. Uh, and you can do hour. that too. I found I found a lot of uh, places that were w- well priced uh, bar- bars with good prices around LA too. I'm gonna say this for anyone that wants to hear this: the bar at Union Station is cheap, small, and nice, and uh, no one will fuck with you there. And it's cheap. So for anyone that if you want to get drunk, just go to Union Station, <laughs> pay five bucks a beer. Uh, but if you want to get drunk, probably don't go to the uh, hockey game for the first time and spend $80 <laughs> on yourself. On two beers. Um, LA, yeah, a lot of great dive bars. Um, I don't go to bars very often anymore. That's just not no. in my lifestyle. I not like yet. them. Um, there's a lot of just amazing classic bars that I can walk to, but uh, just don't get to do it that often. So. I remember telling you, I'm like, there's Formosa probably a Cafe, good thing. and there's Jones. Those are great places, and they're, you know, in movies and stuff. But, um, yeah. And, and uh, what was the name What was the name of the legendary place that John Wayne used to go walk Formosa to Formosa Cafe. H- Hormosa or Formosa? Formosa. Um, also, that was if, cool to see. Yeah, if you ever go to, uh, if you ever watch um, LA Confidential, um, that's the bar they're at. Um, and there's okay. like an old train car that's attached to it. It's it's really it's a really cool spot. Um, I've seen it in so many movies or yeah. something in my head. When we drove by it, I was like, "Holy shit, dude!" Yeah, I need to watch uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again and see some of those old restaurants they go to and wonder if they're real. There you go. I mean, yeah. I mean, we did see some of the historic sites. There's some. T- I wish I would have got you to the ocean and stuff, but you know, next. No, time. but I went to the ocean. I went to the ocean. Did you go to Santa Monica? No, my sister brought us to uh, Newport Beach, Oh, dude. okay. That Newport's nice. That's good. It was very nice. Yeah. And the house, we found a house that had one bedroom that was $15 million. Sure you did. Right. But, um... And, uh... No, it was actually beautiful, and we... They're renovating it and stuff, but the thing that blew me... My, my mind was seeing the ocean, and you can see the curvature of the earth, dude. You can actually see a slight curve. It's not flat. You know what I'm saying? The horizon. That like kind of blew, the horizon. It blew me away. I was right. like, "Holy shit, dude!" <laughs> um, hey, you know, also saw. It's a very I, desirable place to live. You understand why everyone flocks out here? You know. I, I mean, I get, I get it. It was really fun though. Um, going from how quickly we were in these grass meadows to all of a sudden, boom, we're in an ocean town. You know, yeah, a sea town with like seafood everywhere and. Uh, only disappointing thing is we ate as a seafood place that I feel just served us fucking frozen seafood. Yeah, I really mean, that's, pissed. That, uh, that's probably not possible. uncommon. Yeah. So, uh, but no, the Newport was nice. I told my sister, why is there no homeless people here? And she's like, uh, they probably 
uh, drive them all to Venice Beach. Yeah, well, that's, you know, you were in Orange County when you were in Newport, so there's a whole different ball game down there. <laughs> it was very fun, dude. Um, and you know what? It really wasn't that expensive. It is something I, I definitely want to do again soon. I have all these things. Like, like that anime place, if I was in my right mind, I would have probably bought 10 things from there. Yeah, so... And I could have sold them. I could have sold them here for twice as much. Because, you know, we'll be a little little more of this L.A. trip stuff. But um, I remember, you know, when John was coming out, he was saying that he was going to have to go to Union Station to go see his um, family. And I was like, well, that's perfect. I'll take you down there. We'll go to Little Tokyo. We'll go to Alvera Street. And... um. You know, those are two pretty good things to see that I think you would like. And those were those were great things. And his plans did kind of change at that point. But we going to the NXT show, which is in downtown LA at, at Crypto.com Arena, um, afterwards, it was a 10 a.m. show. So by noon, we were out of there, 1, th- 1 o'clock. I don't remember how long it was. Good show, by the way. And we haven't even talked about that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, okay, let's go to Little Tokyo because I know John is a, you know, uh, anime fan i'm a weeaboo yep he's a weebo so we went or whatever it is debo from friday we went to little tokyo uh we were lucky enough to find parking there um outside of there not being a bathroom anywhere but um oh that's uh, i i i made sure that he got to go see there he bought an anime figure and i think you were a little bit no, in heaven it, there. it was it was awesome i was it, it's just you gotta understand guys i sleep from about 7 a.m to 2 p.m 6 a.m to 2 p.m every day and so trying to switch my entire sleeping schedule and being off by an hour and drinking a lot on friday really caught up with me by saturday and so we're in this anime place and all of a sudden i just started feeling terrible like anxiety you know sweating i'm just like i i so I changed plans and stuff, but I think you had a great you, you had a great plan for us. I I mean it was really cool. And like I said, if I was a little had a bit more sleep, I would have felt better. But you know what? I learned for the next time. You know, yeah, what maybe not to do a week or a few days before trying to get yourself acclimated to that. That's 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 exactly it. And uh, I if I'm gonna wake up early the next morning, no reason to be drinking the night before uh, that amount. So, and honestly, it's, it's amazing just that we do things. this many shows because you and I have basically completely opposite like life patterns and uh, days. Yeah. And uh, well, anyway, so after you know, Little Tokyo, which was you seemed to enjoy it. I know that of course you'd want to. I be did, there. but I would have gone to every store, dude. <laughs> I would if I was feeling like I do now. I would have gone to every store. I would have been like, dude, let's do this, this, that, that. It was pretty but, crowded. Yeah, I did. It was pretty crowded down there too. The no bathroom thing really bothered me too. That yeah. was absolutely ridiculous. So um, I don't know how. After you know that time there, we drove a little bit across downtown to go to Alvera Strait, which is like this traditional kind of Mexican area where there's just all so kinds I of... went back. I went back there, and there was some stuff you didn't tell me that I wish you would have told me. Okay, maybe I didn't know. What is it? I didn't realize that the oldest building in all of LA was there. Oh, that Pico thing. Is that what it is? I, I don't know which oh. one, but I, I I guess that is like where L.A. kind of started, supposedly. Yeah. Um, was that area, and I did not know like hundreds of years ago. Um, so I didn't I didn't really realize that, which made it a little more interesting to go back the second time. You know, I just thought it was just a tourist area, but in which it is. But I yeah. didn't realize. Yeah, there's some of the oldest architecture in all of L.A. Yeah. right there. Yeah. So that that was uh. 
that was cool. Um, going back the second time was nice, and I do recommend that little restaurant in there. That right. was fucking incredible. I was shocked at how good it was, to be <laughs> that, honest. That little, that uh, where there was a big line at the beginning when we walked in, right? Uh, it's kind of in the middle of Oliver oh, Street, yeah, I would there's say. Restaurants, From yeah. where we walked in, it was on the left, and then it's like a little tavern. You go in there, and it's just like a little tavern area. Right. And, uh, dude, I, 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 like I said, I was shocked. Uh, I, I was, like, eating that burrito, being like, how is this so good, bro? Like, well, it was... You're in LA. <laughs> I got a wet burrito, dude. Woo. That's good, huh? That's good. I'm glad you got some of that, uh... Food that we have I wanted out here. to walk to uh, Japantown, but dude, that place is so complex. Even the Google Maps confused me. Not oh, Japantown. Japantown's where I took you the first no, night. No, okay, Little Tokyo. Little Tokyo, yeah. Japantown is where we had the ramen the first night, where most of the stuff was that, closed. And that was the best food I ate all week. That ramen, really? That ramen okay. was so fucking yeah, good. Yeah, that dude. was the first time I was at that spot and i really dug the inside of the i really cool how they it was designed so cool it. and yeah. it fits like 10 people inside there yeah but they so, made it like you were I on really the street wanna... having ramen dude but we're, we gotta hit that chicken place next okay yeah. that sounds so was it chicken karage or yeah karage the, the, the japanese fried chicken um hmm. but uh yeah i'm telling you what's great about where you you know the airport to my you know with no traffic wasn't that far but i took you on kind of no, the scene uh, and I appreciate that. Like, I have fond memories of just uh, seeing those Woodward malls and seeing the Bil- Century City. Westfield. Is that what it's called? It's Westfield, yeah. Westfield. What yeah. did I call it? Moorfield or Woodfield or something. Moore. I don't know. But, but yeah. Anyways, so, no. It, it, it was yeah. definitely very memorable and fun. Um, So I hope you guys allow us decompressing. Because him and I haven't really gotten to sit here and talk about it since then. And, you know, sometimes we use the podcast to kind of decompress. Um, yeah. Quickly, by the way, this is a show about ECW guys, right. and we will give it's you coming up now. I will give you guys timestamps. Well, I still want to qu- uh, quickly talk about the NXT show with right. everyone that you and I went to. Um, I went to ROH before that. I think that was the best show I saw. A lot of people said the best show of the w- the best match of the weekend was um was uh what's it called um Cesaro? No, not Cesaro. Claudio versus Eddie Kingston. Okay. A lot of people said that was the best match of the week. And had you, have you been able to see it at all? I haven't seen anything from that show outside of yeah, Dante, that, that, poor that Dante was... Martin. Oh, yeah, that was terrible, actually. Um, I don't know. We were walking afterwards, and some guy was like, I seen his leg turn 270 degrees backwards. Mm, awful. And I was like, Jesus. So, And I think that's what happened. That was terrible, but... uh. That was actually a real great show, but NXT was a surprisingly good show, and it was a lot of fun, right? You agree yeah, with that? Yeah, I mean, as someone that hadn't really followed NXT since maybe, what, 2018? Um, yeah, so it's kind of all a surprise for you. Yeah. I mean, I kind of filled you in on a lot of the guys that you might not know, you know, because yeah. a lot of them are indie guys that were indie back then. Um, yeah, but since the reset, I mean, I knew Braun Breaker, Um and of course, was, oh, Braun Breaker, yeah, you know, you know, Dragon Lee. Uh, heard of you've heard of, of course, Dragon Lee, but you've heard of Indy Hartwell. You've heard yeah, of her. I knew her and Dexter Loomis. And yeah, there were some people I definitely knew. Um, don't get me wrong; there were a couple matches on the show that really were not very exciting. Like the women's tag team match was kind of lame. No, but overall, a very good show, better than I expected. Um, honestly, to be honest, we we found really cheap tickets. 
and uh, we were there for less than $20. Those tickets were awesome, dude. And we had really good seats, to be honest. And we got to go through the VIP area of of the arena. Um, we had a, a funny a funny people sitting around yes, us, which we had was these, nice, good this, vibe. This hilarious kid sitting behind us that were probably, I don't know, 10, 12. See, I don't know. I don't know if they were kids or not, dude. That confused me, actually. No, but the people behind us, they were probably, they had a dad, and there was about three or four kids. Oh, because they weren't cussing, though, I'll say no, that. No, they were just saying, so, like, murder him, or murder that boy. Murder him, <laughs> yeah, murder that boy. And the guy in front boy. of us was, was hilarious, re- reacting The guy to in front of us was hilarious, because I remember they did, uh, they said, uh, Mellow versus Braun, and they were like, man, no matter what era it is, it's always Mellow versus Braun somewhere. <laughs> And that cracked me up. But uh, it was pretty. You funny. know, in all seriousness, I think this show, what it really showed me as an NXT enjoyer, it, it was that uh, Carmelo Hayes is a main eventer. You know, he had the aura, he had the presence, and uh, he looked great in the main event. So uh, Braun Breaker is now turned heel, and uh, he's gonna heard that yeah. be all evil. Well, it's probably thought... a good thing, maybe because of his dad. I don't. Well. I mean, his dad. And, and that I, news had just broke when we were there in the morning, and you were filling me in on that. Yeah, and uh, I I really hope, let's just assume that Braun doesn't carry those same um, values that his dad you did. Can't, you can't in in WWE, Okay, bro. let's just assume. When that, I'm, I'm going to give the kid the benefit of a doubt. Yeah. That he doesn't carry those disgusting. Well, here's the thing. He can think and More believe ways. whatever he wants, but to have, I mean, like the to balls be, to go up to, to someone shout, and fucking not even that. scream at them, but to scream it and to me to mean someone, I mean that's a whole other level of just it's so malicious, dude. And how stupid can you be? I mean, uh, anyway, let's just put that aside. Let uh, I'm just assuming that okay. someone like Braun Breaker that's does fine. not, you know, have those values. I'm gonna give the kid a benefit of doubt for now. Let me um, tell you this, bro. There's someone named um, that wrestled for WWE. His name is Lars Sullivan, and right. um, he he was found posting homophobic stuff from ten years before. Right. Even though he was in gay pornography, but he still posted that stuff, and uh, he was fined like ten thousand dollars for it. Yeah, dude. but that was a few so. years before, you know, the, you know that 2020 trans. The, the you know really hit its peak with it was that. like 2019 yeah well anyway the bottom line is Bron, uh, it, it, it is as the stupid things that he said were not only stupid but they could potentially do damage to his son's career true to be honest with you uh and that's where you're like why don't they just call him braun steiner i was one of those like let's now it's like Ooh, we now it looks good that, that they didn't do that now it looks good that they didn't do that so maybe they knew something we didn't that's why they were doing it but anyway he ruins pretty much all his, you know, potential extra income to make through, you know, signings and whatnot. True. But yeah. he potentially could really have hurt his kid's career because who knows? I mean, they could have been set to debut him on Raw and they decided to put... Um, That's very true. And then, you know, the they could have wanted to change his name or something now that Vince is back. You know, you never know. But yeah, now it's like, okay, well, fuck. It sucks, uh... The dude's uh, damaging his own legacy and the legacy of his brother and others. So and, and his son. I mean, honestly, you know, Braun's a guy who, if you wanted to slow cook him for a year, maybe that's the guy that takes out Roman. I mean, God, man, 
why can't we all just be like Jay Briscoe and uh, and his brother? I mean, wait, Jay Briscoe's the one that passed away. I'm sorry, right? I yeah. made a mistake. Yeah. I was talking about Mark Briscoe. Why can't we all just be like Mark Briscoe, bro? Just be positive and be loving. Yeah, you know? and, you know, those are um, some guys that, you know, kind of middle, early of their career, they, were, they did something somewhat now that's seen Stupid. inappropriate, but they were able to correct it and go about it the right way and change, right? Um, yes, they were, although I do want to be fair. They weren't allowed on TV until one of them passed away, which is fucked true. up. But yes, the, the rumor was that Jay was always asking, how can I improve? Right, and I know they were and doing the better. Confederate flag thing for a while, which, you know, obviously didn't age well and uh, all that, but, you know, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah. It, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it sucks what what happened there that weekend. Yeah. I was sad to hear that news, and then of course, uh, and we should bring up Jalil uh, Shah, Giselle Shah. Yeah, Giselle Shah. We should bring her up because uh, I've heard nothing uh, except good stuff about her for years. Um, I remember yeah. about five years ago, Osprey did a thing, my five favorite wrestlers, and brought up Giselle Shah. I didn't know that Giselle Shah was trans, and I honestly don't care. No, oh, I heard she's a great wrestler. Yeah. yeah. So, um, pretty soon, the people are going to come out being like, "Oh, it's unfair that that they're wrestling against." Never mind. Stop, no, stop I mean that doesn't now. even hold water. This is a scripted. I mean, they were doing it with Nyla no, Rose. No, but too. I could see people getting crazy like that, bro. No, they already are. It, it, it's okay. Yeah. Whatever. Moving on. It's unfair. They're going to hurt the women. Moving on to something a little more positive, but with a little bit of dark uh, stuff to it, and. Uh, Time stamp here, and we forgot to clap, so I'm gonna have to do extra work. Um, time stamp here is half an hour in. Well, I'll mention that at the beginning. If you want to listen to only ECW, go a half hour in. Good idea. We are going to talk about wrestling and ECW. But first, when we talk about our, uh, our, I, I like to get, I like when we, 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 you and I kind of do a broad like view first and then we do another broad view after we've talked about it so why don't you give us a kind of a broad view of ECW from your current perspective from my current perspective um I think ECW is kind of something that we see the influences of almost in every genre of wrestling um whether it's New Japan, WWE, AEW, the local indie, GCW, whatever, there are influence from ECW everywhere from the, to this day. Um, and whether it was originally, whatever it was originally happened in ECW, but I think ECW kind of took a lot of those things and made them live on to this day. Um, not only are we're seeing, you know, the match style, match quality, those quick moving matches, um, whether they started in ECW or not, um, the loud rings, the sound of the rings, um, the extra bouncy rings and stuff like that that you see on the indie scene and all that. Um, the uh, crowd chanting the right. name of the promotion that they are watching because they love it so much. Or just the fact that you have a lot of CWs out there. 
right? Or just GCW. Um, that, of course, you cannot say isn't <laughs> it isn't come from ECW. And, you know, just when you go to an indie show, the vibe, you always, uh, you that ECW feel, you know? Yeah, yeah, there is that that feel. I I mean, I believe I don't I don't think I've ever been to an indie show as you know that ROH show I went to recently was kind of on the, along that lines. People are chanting ROH and there was some crazy matches, but it, it's hard to compare to nowadays, man, because ECW at the time was so unique and so its own thing. Where you know this style of wrestling nowadays is has been more co opted into the mainstream, yeah, right? Like, yeah, especially with AEW and bleeding every week, and and you know if it wasn't for ECW, ROH probably would never exist. Well, and I think we know that now. Yeah, after or something we talked GCW about earlier, or just these indie federations that have come up may have never even existed. I mean, maybe NXT would never exist if it wasn't for something like ECW. And and, and a lot of wrestlers would exist be, or at least they would have very different uh, career trajectories. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, we're we're talking about ECW, and um, this is Extreme Championship Wrestling, although it did start as Eastern Championship Wrestling uh, at first. Now, obviously, as we go through here, we have a lot of tropes from the late 90s, um, mid to late 90s, the extreme attitude um, that kind of existed in the attitude era and marketing at the time where sex sells right um and this was what woman was her name in ecw this is nancy benoit right yeah i mean also keep in mind around this time this is when you know kind of shock television and howard stern oh Oh, there you go mtv the shock jock stuff yeah it was bubba the love sponge it was howard stern even before bubba the love sponge but just like that howard stern type of you yeah. know, pushing the borderlines of content, Beavis and Butthead, uh, mm. you know, uh, South Early Park. Early South Park. Early, Early South, South Park. Park. The, yeah. You know, society was at kind of an, I don't know if obscene level is the right word, but we had a very, very, uh, you know, it was a very interesting time. <laughs> it was very interesting time. And yeah. Definitely pushing the limits. Um, yes you know, was was a big deal back then. It's it's actually pretty hilarious because, you know, we lived through it and it was like, yeah, that's that's cool. You know, nowadays we're like, nah, dude, don't don't push the limits. Yeah. Please don't do I that. I mean, uh, there's a lot of stuff that came out of that era that didn't age well. Um, a lot of ECW stuff did not age well. We'll, we'll be honest. I mean, there was a lot of uh, kind of just not, I don't know, politically correct things that took place. Um but the overall yeah, broad there are things of, it, of, of, were, its time, okay, we're good, of its time. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know if the broad strokes were necessarily that great, in my opinion, from what I've seen, to be honest. But I have seen some incredible matches. I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, ECW at the time, and especially living in Philly and living on the East Coast, that it was revelatory. I could totally see that, you know. It was it was very East Coast. It, it was... You know, I've heard a guy from Voices of Wrestling. Um, I can't remember his name. I think his name is Joe. Do you know the Voices of Wrestling guys? Uh, yeah, through Osmo. Rich Crate. Yeah, Rich Crate and heard Joe Lanza. It's Joe, right? Lanza? Joe Lanza. Yeah, 
Yeah, he did a whole thing on ECW. He's done like a bunch of shows called, you know, September to Remember or something like that. Right. And I remember he was like, you know, it's East Coast. Like, we like things fast. We like things violent, you know. And uh, it definitely uh, definitely gave to that style and uh, definitely uh, was influential. So I, I think the biggest thing when we talk about broad strokes is the influence. And you brought that up as well. So um, let's talk about a little bit about how they kind of got started and where it began. And it's probably before a lot of you guys think. So we're talking 1989 to 1994 or where the actual roots come in. Um, this was the Tri-State Wrestling Alliance owned by Joel Goodert. Uh, and they would use the Tri-State Heavyweight Championship belt to represent the championship. Although the ECW title was not considered a continuation of that title. So as we go through here, Eventually, we start the promotion as Eastern Championship Wrestling, ECW. Um, at the time, Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert, the leader, lead booker, he was the lead booker, he managed to secure television time on Sports Channel Philadelphia in 93. Um, Eddie Gilbert, after falling out with Todd Gordon, was replaced by 28-year-old Paul Heyman, right? Um, and he yeah. had just been fired from WCW. So, Paul Heyman, we d you don't realize how young he was when he was doing this. It's and funny then, looking back, 28. Jesus, like, there's kids at my work that are 28, and I'm like, you don't know shit. And uh, he got his start early, too, as a photographer. Much Photogra like, Photographer, right? Much like Jim Cornette. Much like Jim Cornette. I think a lot of Japanese guys, too, um, would go in there and, you know, as you figure out how can I get my foot in the door, right? Yeah. It was a lot easier back then, too, because WWF nowadays, they'd just be like, get the fuck out. We got a quick little run in trying to get your attention here, I think. Oh, hey, little guy. How are you? Well, good. Did you have fun hanging out with me? Yeah. Should I come visit you guys again in a little while? Yeah. But what do you want to do this time? Should we go to the zoo and botanical garden? Yeah, no. Okay, well, you think about it, and then you let me know, all right, little bub? Both this. Have a great night. Me too. That was, that was Kenzo. He, he took in the NXT show with us. Um, Very, by the way, guys, I'm going to say extremely polite young man. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, most of the day he didn't even talk. He just walked along with us and just chilled. So, yeah, he very was, polite. He was pretty cooperative that day. Not every day, he, he was, he's a good kid. Yeah, he's a great kid. I, I didn't, I'm always worried about kids. I'm like always wondering where they are. And I know you are too, because you have kids. So you have to be that way. Yeah. And uh, he was always right there, you know? Yeah. Staying right he doesn't there. wander off and no, yeah, both my kids are good about that. They're, they stay close. Very opposite of what I was as a child. <laughs> um, so, so we're talking uh, about Paul yeah. Heyman a lot like, uh, Paul Heyman you know... started out as a photographer yeah. and, uh, I mean, worked his way up. So he was before this. He was a a talent, right? For mm -hmm. WCW, very good talent. Mm -hmm. Um, and, dangerously, and still, you know, people still call him Paulie, right? That's what yeah. Stone Cold still calls him. And one of he had a very underrated, um, underutilized faction, the Dangerous Alliance in in WCW. Um, well, did they do the War Games? I don't remember. Maybe. Dude, well, anyway. I don't know, because I seen him do war games, and he, like, it was hilarious. He all pulled out a, 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 um, 
like a football plays and he's all going over football plays with the guys before they get into the you know what I'm saying? Like, really, guys, you guys are going to do football plays before you get into the ring? But, you know, we talk about basically the bottom line is Paul Heyman, just like ECW, uh, influential to this day, obviously still, still relevant. And Paul Heyman, honestly, geez, you, you got to go, you don't go pretty far when you start naming in, in One of the most relevant yeah, influential people in wrestling history, especially when you talk about from the 90s on. I mean, Paul Heyman, top five all-time influential people in the wrestling industry. If you go from the 90s on, I mean, it's really hard to leave them off these lists. And it's, maybe it's hard to even It's hard to even talk about it because he's still at the top. He's still, yeah, he and... still has a, you know, his hat in the game. And when you look at his age now, I mean, I don't think he's even 60 yet. Um, you know, still has a lot to give. Um, 57 and years I, old. I wanna, so. so when I watched WrestleMania with my sister and brother-in-law, and they're not big WWE fans, but we watched WrestleMania, my sister said the most entertaining part of it was Paul Heyman. He was absolutely fantastic in that last match. And uh, his mannerisms, him trying to give a pep talk to Roman Reigns <laughs> and just saying, my tribal chief, after he kind of criticized him and told him to, you know, light a fire I loved when he when he did the one, two, three, he fist bumped himself kind of, and then his eyes just looked at the ring and he realized he, he was wrong. It wasn't a pit. It was just it he's was great. hilarious. Yeah. But, but anyway, yes, yes. Yeah. Influential and uh just an he's been around great for a while. And just a brilliant mind. Um well we'll get into some of the the the, the controversy behind him as a person. Yeah, because was he know. a brilliant mind when he had his company go out of business and then, you know, couldn't pay guys and yeah right a, so there's some yeah. questionable character traits there's that some he questionable has. stuff um in 94 jim crockett's non-compete agreement with ted turner who purchased wcw from crockett was up and he decided decided to start promoting the nwa crockett went to ted gordon and asked him to hold a tournament for the nwa's world heavyweight championship in ecw's home arena the NWA president alleged that Crockett and Gordon were going to try to monopolize the title and stated that Crockett did not have the NWA board's approval, which resulted in Carluzzo personally overseeing the tournament. So what happened here was they planned to have Shane Douglas. Um, he would face two cold Scorpio and he would throw down the NWA World Heavyweight Championship belt upon winning as an act of defiance, right? So... Yeah. It's drama that people don't understand now because there is no NWA, right? Well, there kind of is, but it's not the same. Um, it was just kind of seen as disrespectful to the past. And honestly, the idea of being with the NWA was becoming less and less popular because the WWE was doing their own thing without it, right? It, oh, I think at that time, um, uh, there was a whole... I think the term I was looking for when we talk about society in that time anti-establishment right oh yeah that was that's a great one yep. the theme of the of the mid to late 90s anti-establishment and i guess in the world of pro wrestling there wasn't anything more establishment than the national wrestling alliance um a traditional you know governing body of all of pro wrestling right i mean even 
the Attitude Era Raws in the 97, 98 era were using that NWA title and NWA uh, kind of brand with Jim Cornette and Jeff Jarrett and the Rock and Roll Express as a heel faction because they were trying mm-hmm. to be traditional, right? Mm. An establishment. So the NWA um, was seen as that kind of establishment anti, you know, so it just fit in as kind of a natural heel thing, right? Well, and in the 90s, that establishment had been going on for 30, 40, maybe even longer, but at least 30 years in the memory of wrestling. I mean, the NWA title, and still you've got random ones nowadays. It's like the NWA welterweight title is in Mexico. And sorry. I And I also had this really weird thought of like, did the anti-establishment era end after 9-11. But that's a whole different talk that we'll get into another no, time. I mean, we, but Yeah, that's a whole other time because by the time 9-11 happened, ECW was pretty much folded and all that. But another thing to think about too is if I would have told myself or you at that age, hey, listen, that NWA thing that is kind of kind of a joke now, the fucking lead singer of the Smashing Pumpkins is going to own it in the <laughs> year 2019. I'd be like, well, I kind of like the Smashing Pumpkins. I, I know, but... like I like the Smashing Pumpkins. I'm a little Back more into punk rock right now, but uh, and hip hop and shit. But you know, Billy Corgan's gonna I buy an NWA. It's Billy seventy nine. That's not bad. That's not bad. Um, that very like, yeah, yeah. It, it is very strange. I would have been like. Mm. Okay. Smashing Pumpkins, really? obviously, I think looking back, one of the more underrated bands of that era. Very and also this 10-year-old kid from Chicago is going to compete with AEW in 20 years, and his name's Tony. Never right. heard of him. Yeah, well, anyway, yeah, that's one thing. But just to say, hey, the guy from this, I didn't even know he was a wrestling fan until Me neither. You know, five years ago or whatever. But but um, he must be one of the most hardcore. But just what what an what a interesting thing to think about is the lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins is going to buy the National Arrest. Well, I mean, it's it, crazy. It's, it's especially confusing combining them from the 90s into nowadays because he's an older guy now. But back yeah. then, he was like, you know, a popular At the uh, top of the rock you know, artist music industry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, although he was much bigger is, back then. Yeah. So, we have the anti NWA. So, let's go a little more uh, through this. So, Todd Gordon and Paul Heyman originally explained the idea of throwing down the NWA World Heavyweight Championship belt. Heyman persuaded Douglas by noting, that the negative would only be that NWA traditionalists would see them as traitors. Adding to Douglas's decision was the animosity between Douglas and the NWA president. Um, Douglas was a bad risk, and he had a tendency to no-show events. And it's important to talk about Shane Douglas here also, as Shane Douglas, when I read the book, Mikey Whipwreck was very important, but Shane Douglas was also seen as incredibly important to... Um, to ECW, I think his gimmick was he was the so this is an interesting right? thing about Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas was kind of seen as I don't know if the right term is the failed WCW talent. He was in the what was that with the skateboarding gimmick with uh, Johnny? Well, they get that he John was a Lauren teacher, Itis, wasn't he? Was, he? Yeah. Okay. So with with WCW, he was in the was okay. It, they called with the skateboarding and the bodacious dudes or whatever. I can't. It's, um. Okay, I'll he was a, to find it. a tag team in WCW it, but, with uh, yeah. John Laurinaitis where they're basically two skaters or surfers or something like that. Um, and okay. the dynamic dudes. The dynamic and then dudes. he went on to have this run with uh, WCW, uh, EC, I'm sorry, WWE, WWF at the time, 
as yeah a, a know-it-all kind of professor gimmick um and did not yeah. work out well he had i don't know the details but there was something where he didn't get along with some of the people there he was like kind of an intercontinental champ for our day or they took it away i don't remember what happened with the story with that but the thing about ecw is when it was popular i remember shane douglas just being injured and still being the champ and wearing what looked like a knee brace on his arm but even though he was the champion he was didn't really seem to be like yeah the most popular or, or focal point of ecw so okay well, and this, this is the difference between me reading it and you uh, actually being there at the time. Um, because I remember them talking about, oh, always wanting him to be kind of the John right. Cena of ECW. Um, was them wanting to uh, post him in that position. But what you're saying is that he really was I mean, never, never there. Also, this is me thinking back to me being 16, 17, 15 years old. And... No, but those... But that's it's good to think those because that's yeah. when you were there. In, in what did you think when it happened? It was all about guys like Rob Van Dam, Taz, um, Sabu, Sabu, um, the Dudleys, Dudleys. Um, those were kind of the focal point, especially yeah. like to me. It was like, oh, Rob Van Dam. This is the coolest guy I've ever seen in my life. At nineteen, you know, other than the, you know, the Rock. Okay. Rob Van Dam was one of those big influences on my wrestling fandom. Um, and even I remember him yeah. from as a kid. So Rob Van Dam must have crossed over, um, uh, to like a normal WWE. Right, and he was a guy that we didn't like. Me, you know, understand why he wasn't the champ. Like Rob Van Dam is so cool, and he was so athletic, me. and he was one of those guys that really brought that yeah martial arts style. Uh, I mean, honestly, one of the most unique wrestling just styles is Rob Van Dam. I mean, a lot of kicks, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially at the time, he had a lot of the Asian art martial arts influence that are common for yeah. us to see in other promotions now. But at the time, yeah. And then he also had Honestly, the high flying. you know, too. him and Sabu, obviously. So. But Rob Van Dam, I mean, one of the most influential people on the styles we see today. I can't remember if Sabu or or if it was Sabu or Ibushi. Which one of them is a bigger bullshitter that's like, oh, all my botches were planned. <laughs> no. Like, I, I don't remember uh, which one like, said that. I don't know. But... Maybe Ibushi. He's a, a reverent. Uh, Ibushi <laughs> Maybe an says Ibushi a lot of thing. nonsensical okay. stuff. So. Um, yeah. He says a lot of dumb shit like that, yeah. Um, so... You know, um, this was Shane Douglas, and they were having a thing. I think this and is not, a not great to say anything quote, disparaging um, about Shane Douglas because I think he was put in that position. We he was more of that traditional wrestler at the time, and that's what made him a heel. He was a guy yeah. that didn't leave his feet. He wasn't. And was he in uh, his thirties at that point? You know, was he at that age of being a heavyweight championship kind of age that's another question too he's 60 um, he's now 60 so now. 30 years ago so he's 58, uh, 58 years okay 58. so he was born in 1964 so he was about 34 he was in his early to mid 30s so you know what we yeah have called on the show so it kind of had the, the age prime of his wrestling career because we talk about that being in the mid 30s but he was one guy but, that didn't but live at the beyond same time, ECW. He, i don't know if he did much after that maybe tna or something but no 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought this, I think this is a great quote um, from Paul Heyman um, from, what is this, an 8-8-O-L chat? <laughs> Sounds about right. Okay. Some chat, okay. And he said, the NWA was old school cool when old school wasn't hip anymore. We wanted to set our mark. We wanted to break away from the pack. We wanted to let the world know that we weren't just some independent promotion. And that has a lot to what you say yeah. about anti-establishment, right? Um, where it's pretty much they said the same thing. Old school wasn't cool anymore. Where nowadays, old yeah, school kind of is kind of cool. Okay, which um, just think about it this way. Do you see, oh, you, you uh, just, it kind of plays back to the pop of we were at. Do you think that anyone in 1998 would want a wrestling shirt from 1975? Do people Fuck. in the year no, 2021 want something that, but like from 1992? <laughs> Hell yes, they do. Yes, and they will pay so $2,500 a... for that. Yeah. Nostalgia is definitely a much huge... There was... It's a huge nostalgia factor. Nostalgia actually nowadays. was not a thing back then, unless it was some of the baby boomers that missed... In, in, res, in wrestling specifically, I mean, look, dude, the idea of... I they, they literally trained you to not like nostalgia. Literally, you have Vince or, or Jim JR saying like, uh, you know, the guy who wears red, white, and blue to tell you to eat your vitamins. Uh, no you one wants what? that anymore. They might want that more now than they did in 1997. They do. Look at Cody. Yeah, he is. That's what Cody is. It didn't work for... We, it didn't work totally for... we're totally cool with No, that. that's what I'm saying. They want it now. Wait, okay. So this is what I'm trying to say. In 1997, that shit didn't fly. Now it's no, kind of starting to all. fly again. It didn't fly. <laughs> Um, for for fifty percent of the country, uh, yeah, and and give us, we'll see in twenty, we'll 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 have this podcast again in twenty years, yeah. and we'll see how things have changed. We might go back to anti uh, right, right. Uh, again. It's, but it's just interesting we'll when you think about it. Well, everything I think old that is new. Our again, generation, right? um, are a nostalgic bunch, and almost the only uh, that you know generation, the millennials. Are more attached to things, but I think that the only thing you had nostalgia in this time in the '90s was maybe some, you know, old hippies that missed Woodstock and stuff. You know, no, you're you're right. Back in the day, I remember when they re-released Star Wars; it was a huge deal. And now, fucking yep. re-releases, remakes, all that shit is just any a day, diamond, yeah. diamond does. So, so it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean anything. And even things like this ECW, like we're looking back almost at it in a nostalgic lens. But, you know, in in 2010, people might not crazy, be doing the same Crazy, thing. crazy, crazy. So, so uh, you know, it, it, it's, it is it's crazy how it works. But it is important to understand where society um, was so, at the time. Uh, and then to, you know. Oh, yeah. And it was very, it was very different in Shane America. Shane Douglas was kind sure, of dude. more of a traditional very wrestler different. than everyone else in ECW at the time. So there, just to have that, and that's why okay. he was just a perfect fit to be a heel, which is ironic because he was the one. Does that mean he didn't stand out, though? Um, I mean. Or do you, do you, can you even remember if he stood out to I think when I really first started watching ECW, he was injured. And I think he was at the, at the champ, and he had that triple threat okay. faction with him and Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow, and you know Francine, you know, <laughs> yeah. Who was that again? Yeah. Francine, yeah. and that was his valet, uh, a term we don't use anymore. But that's what she okay. was back then. Um, 
it, do we not use it anymore because valet basically means like a hooker? It, it, it's just that it's it, it makes the per, a valet something that accompanies. It does it, it demeans their role, minimalizes their minimalizes role, them. You know what I mean? So I don't know what we call those now, but okay. Um, yeah. So in nineteen, uh, we real quick we're gonna move on. Just talking about the twenty three hundred arena. Um, this was ECW Arena and their television syndication from 94 to 2001. Um, oh, wow. They may actually, they've painted it up now. And there's a big-ass 2300 on the side of the building. So it looks kind of cool okay. now. It's all black. And it's called the World's Most Famous Bingo <laughs> Hall. I mean, that's what it was, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> it was... I think probably. they still do bingo there. Um, probably. Okay. You you got ECW on like Saturdays and then double twenty two douche bingo go. on Sunday. I mean it was a, a big running oh, joke. This, okay. um, and then here's something to wrestle. Does Bruce still do that podcast? Um, I haven't listened to it ever since he signed with okay. um WWE. But I mean he he would always whenever they'd make some kind of reference to ECW, he would uh, you know, yell a random bingo number. That was one of his little running gimmicks. What an asshole. Well, you know, we know that he's the king of all bullshitters, but, you know. And then here's a picture of XPW owner Rob Black, Rob Black with wife Lizzie oh, Borden. That's a whole other thing. Do you know what, dude? We should say At, that. Did we ever do an XPW episode? Yeah. No, you, you've always told me we need yeah. to do an episode. Uh, and, okay, she's a she's a porn star. She was. She's a porn star. That's, okay, that's we're going to ask other ball of wax, and I don't yeah. even know if it's with the what. That whole thing does now. I don't even think it's worth it. It's just not. I don't think people would listen yeah, to we, it. We will talk about it later. It sounds like one of the best disappointments in I don't um, know. It, it's pro just, wrestling. Uh, anyway, we'll get to that with while well, we're moving on this timeline. I think I'll go a little deeper. So I I I I, I want to say like you you go back to '97 and you look at barely legal, which I've seen a bunch of, and uh, there is some real good shit there, man. I mean, when we're talking about pure wrestling quality in 97, and we haven't even gotten into their, um, you know, they were working with WWE at that point. Yeah, which kind of going back now is, you know, over the last five, six years has kind of been brought to the forefront. But when you were watching ECW in 1997, 1998, 1996, you were thinking you were watching this whole quote-unquote anti-establishment there's that word again there's that term again um something that was that they were working yeah, with the establishment for much of 96 right. and 97 and a lot of people you know you'll talk about it in a second when the ecw was kind of on raw in 97 but people were catching on with wrestling in that 90 mid 97 early 97 and might have missed that and thought ecw was this totally renegade operation uh, that was this forbidden fruit that we would catch at 1 a.m. on a UHF channel uh, that, you know. And we didn't even get it here, right. um, by the way. Um, so here's the thing is, uh, and I say, I'm sending you a uh, just an awesome picture of the first DVD or tape or whatever. Uh -huh. Can you go into your chat yeah. and look at that? Did that sound? John has been here. Hold on. Uh, oh, I see. I just love that. 97. Yeah. Isn't yes. that great? No minors, no exceptions. And, 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 and so, barely, uh, like, just to kind of give context to the term barely legal, 
No, that's it's a, a porn, porn thing, thing, bro. It's it, it referencing probably someone that's just just turned eighteen or whatever. Um, I used to have a DVD called Barely Legal I'm sure you did. or whatever, and it was not yeah, wrestling. Right. Well, not that, not the wrestling that we watch so. on TV, but <laughs> no, no, it was very different. So, yes, this was a thing that you would not see. A re- there's no gonna, there's gonna be no WWF WWE's next pay per view in Puerto Rico is not called Barely Legal. We'll just put it that way. That's not something we're gonna see again. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they're not bringing that one back. So this was a different time, um, kids. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're right. It was named after porn. It says no minors, no exceptions. So obviously aiming for the 18 and plus demographic, 18 to 30 yes. maybe. Um, yeah, so that's just a great DVD cover with the horrible Photoshop. Um, I mean, honestly, yeah, it's about the, you know, the porn videos at the time look just the same thing. It's, yeah, no, it did actually Probably look done the same. Probably done on Cork Express similar. or something like that. Quirk on Express. What? It's one of those old layout things. What is Quirk? You know, it's like a Photoshop or a InDesign of the 90s. You of would remember. So. And um, I don't think. I was using Photoshop in like 2002. Well, so by 97. Though, so, oh, this is something that uh, Justin brought up to me before the show. Um, is that, by the way, I'm just going to explain it to them. I sent Justin a barely legal DVD box and it's, you have Sandman holding up a kendo stick, and you've got, um, you've Rob got uh, what? Rob Van Dam walking to the ring with his, you know, b- both of these pictures are from in in the matches, and they just photoshopped them into this very late '90s porn slash wrestling cover that uh, you'll have to see. Um, so before we did this, Josh brought up the fact that. They were on WWF. Josh? ECW was on WWF. Josh? What are you, one of my grandma's friends? Or Justin? Okay. <laughs> no, sorry, <laughs> my uh, my best my coworker no worries, is Josh. No worries. Okay, Justin happens all the time. Justin uh, brought up that, and my brother's name. Is, well, anyway. I'll just put it this way: he brought up if that. If you uh, talk to anyone named Justin, they'll tell you how many times they get called Jason. So there you go. My brother. My brother's name okay. is Justin. It gets confusing and deep. Yeah. Um. So, uh, as Justin had mentioned to me before the show, they did, they were working with WWEF uh, for a little while. And uh, tell me what you remember about that, Justin, because I, I don't think I was watching at that point. I, or I must have been, but I don't remember these I guys. I wasn't fully back in. I was watching more casually at that time. But, you know, you had Sabu and... Um, Rob Van Dam kind of appearing semi-regularly on Raw with kind of a ECW invasion angle. You had Jerry Lawler working with them. Um, but that kind of... So I, I just, I, I want to say that um, in the 1995 King of the Ring match between Mabel and Savio Vega, the crowd chanted ECW, ECW. This was in Philadelphia. Um, so this would have been the first time storyline wise that Vince became aware of ECW, right? Yes, yes. And I think at that time they were probably starting to promote their first pay per view and um uh-huh. which was was it barely legal? Was that their first pay per view? Yes. Right. Yes. So yep. I think mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know exactly why Vince said let's help these guys out, but I think at some point, um, Vince might have been a place where they can see them as um, almost like a 
a developmental or like a minor league or they can, you know, there was some type of value he saw in them at that point. Or, you know what? So Paul Heyman was probably just a really good talker. And somehow, you know, he obviously knew people that were in WWF and kind of was able to get himself in at that point, too. Well, you know, uh, Vince is going to respect a lot of those old guard from WCW. And I'll say this, Vince seems to generally respect other wrestlers from other places if 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 they work for him. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, that's a, that's a very broad saying, but this was in the 90s. And, you know, how many people did he pull from WCW and made him into stars? So, I mean, it's just like, just because they were from another company, it didn't mean he respected him, knew about them, and... Um, I'm sure Paul Heyman had quite a bit of pull because he is just as charismatic as Vince McMahon. Yeah, you know? I, I think the 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 to really sum it up in the bottom line is simply put it: Paul Heyman must have established some type of value to offer Vince at the time. I could see that. Um, do you remember in your house ten mind games? Was that the main event? Was uh, Shawn Michaels and uh, Mankind? Great uh-huh. match, by the way. Definitely watch that again. But yeah, tell me what else happened on that. Okay. Uh, Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, Paul Heyman, and Taz were in the front row seats. Okay. Um, Sandman interfered in the match. He threw beer on Savio Vega during his strap match with Bradshaw. Um, McMahon acknowledged ECW status as a local up-and-coming promotion on the wow. air. The following night on Monday Night Raw... Um, when the Body Donnas versus the British Bulldogs and Owen Hart, Bill Alfonso, and Taz could be seen invading the program. Both Taz and Alfonso were able to jump the security rails, and Taz was able to prominently display a bright orange sign with the black letter that read, Sabu fears Taz ECW. Crazy to think how less than a year later, people that were catching on with ECW and maybe WWE starting to catch on with a bigger crowd completely didn't even know that happened or forgot about it. Yeah. It kind of shows like how your memory works. Like you remember kind of the important things, but if they're not that, like if you were a huge Taz fan, you would have remembered it. But if you never heard of Taz and a lot of those guys, like I didn't, I, my memory never saved onto those things. Right. It's crazy. So, they did do ECW Invaded Raw on the Manhattan Center. They advanced the storyline, plugged their first ever pay-per-view, and worked three matches in front of a WWF audience while McMahon called the action with Jerry Lawler and Paul Heyman. So they had Paul Heyman on commentary at that point. It's crazy. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we look at the John Cena um, versus Edge match, or no, John Cena versus Rob Van Dam match from years later. And you can see some of these things uh, starting back then. I mean, the ECW fans chanted boring at the WWF wrestlers. Um, And when ECW performers arrived, they popped and introduced the Monday night audience to some trademark ECW chants. So, yeah. It's funny how ECW, after they were bought out by WWE, it still had that anti-establishment nostalgia to it or i don't know if that was the right word yet but yeah we weren't really like it didn't really become common knowledge about it being bankrolled even with that 97 thing pretty easy to find that they were invading the show quote unquote um 
it really didn't come out till recent years that they were, you know, at times being either bankrolled or heavily promoted from WWF. True. Yeah, that, that's really true. Um, a lot of that stuff. I mean, but we weren't reading the Observer back then either, right? Uh, no, but I don't even know if. Yeah, well, definitely the dirt sheet culture wasn't prominent through the wrestling community like it is. But also, I was 14, I, 15, 16, I, 17. I think, so. no, that's what I was going to say. I think it was more prominent if you were a hardcore fan in right. your 20s, but it wasn't on the internet like exactly. it is now as, as much. So, but, you know, Melcher has said, they're like, when do you have the most subscribers? He's like, I don't know, every year I get more subscribers. Right. So back then, yeah, you're right. It was a little more secretive, but I don't know, man. If you go back and read the Montreal st- Screwjob coverage in the uh, Observer, I'm pretty sure he knew everything that was going on at the time. Because uh, he has like minute-by-minute minute coverage of the Montreal Screwjob and all that right. shit. Uh, so, um. Um, I'm going to use the bathroom real quick. I'll be right back, and we're going to get into Mike Awesome and ECW Collapse and some of later ECW. I'll be right back, okay? What's Kohaka doing? Crushing his teeth. About that time. All right, let's get into it. So uh, another issue was this Mike Awesome controversy, and... uh, you know, what happened was he was the ECW World Heavyweight Champion, and he ended up going onto Nitro in 2000 while Nitro was terrible. So We're skipping some um, years with that reference, though, right? That is going on to 2000. That happened. The uh, the WWF and, U- uh, and ECW cross-promotion was in 96 and 97. Uh-huh. And the ECW on TNN collapse was from 99 to 2001. So there was a quick little thing in 2000 where, yeah, Mike Awesome um, showed up on Nitro. Well, and, and, you know, honestly, I don't think any of this is a huge deal because both companies were kind of failing at that time. Yeah, and I think when, um, if I remember correctly, it felt like when, it felt like when, ECW was getting onto TNN that like it was going to start to get big because it got on this like prominent channel, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, wow, that's crazy to think about now that I think about it. Um, because, but I think it started to lose a lot of its street tag because ECW is one of those things where, oh, it's getting mainstream now and people started to drop off. Yeah, I could see that, especially with the the way that it was portrayed um, over the years, you know, as as uh, we have said, as anti-establishment. Um, there, there is one thing I want to ask you about because we brought it up before the show, and this was in July 2000, and uh, ECW made its West Coast debut, and they did go to uh, Los Angeles. Um, and what happened is when they were in L.A., this We've talked about it a little bit. This XPW owner, Rod Black, purchased six front row seats and the tickets were given to the XPW talent. Their mission was to make it clear that ECW was on enemy turf it, uh, and it was not part of the storylines or anything like that. I mean, XPW donned shirts emblazoned with the XPW logo 
uh, gaining attention of ECW wrestler Tommy Dreamer. Security ejected the FPW from the building, and a brawl broke out in the parking lot between members. Um, do you know anything about any of this? Um, well, I was there. <laughs> um, you were where? You were where? I was, I was at ECW Heatwave 2000. Are you in sure attendance. that's the one I'm talking about? Hang on. Yes. Okay, ECW, it is. Heat Wave 2000, Okay, right? where was it? Where was it if you were there? It was at the Grand Olympic Auditorium. Yup, that's right. Okay. And I was there. Um, I was not aware of XPW at the time. We can do a whole other episode on this because I ended up in the 0102 going to a lot of XPW shows. Um, did not age well, I'll just put it that way, but they were a lot of fun at the time. Um, but they were seen basically as almost like a West Coast ECW as they kind of went on. Had a huge... And, and did you guys want it to be a West Coast ECW? Yes. I mean, that's what it was seen as. It had the same vibe where it was on. The television was on a, um, you know, local UHF channel late at night. Okay. Um and it had that grimy quality that ECW had. It was a very, very similar vibe, um, but injected with more of that kind of, you know, porn stars. There was a story. lot more yes. porn stars well, in XPW. Rob, Rob Black made his money in porn, in like <laughs> very, <laughs> like obscene. Genre and who was Homeless Jimmy? Homeless Jimmy was a wrestler. That his okay. his gimmick was he was a homeless guy. Not a bad one. Not uh, a bad it, it he was a he was a baby face. There was guys like White Trash Johnny Webb. Um, so so don't go too far because yeah. we are going to do an episode on XPW. X, yeah, but you right. you don't you don't remember XPW being there or you I weren't in remember, the parking lot when they I got remember, in a fight. I know, but we just kind of like who are those guys in the front row? Because we were kind of on the upper level across from them. So we saw them kind of cause the thing and then just kind of, we didn't know that it carried out into the, uh, the, the hallways in the parking lot. I didn't know. We didn't know that at the time. And I don't remember exactly when we found out, but that's, I think a little bit after that, I don't remember this whole thing. It's a long time ago, but when we, we, if there was a point, you know, I don't know if it was a few months later, a few days later, where we're like, oh, shit, that was XPW. Um, well, let me, let me tell you this. Um, at the November to Remember pay-per-view a few months later, color commentator Don Callis made a Cyrus reference the to virus. the incident, yeah. describing a wild brawl as looking like an L.A. parking lot. As, yeah. as in there was a brawl in the in the in the wrestling he was commentating on, and he said the brawl looks like an LA parking lot. So right. yeah. Cute little thing from Cyrus the Virus there. Um in ninety nine, as you brought up, ECW did TNN, um, a three year contract and limited advertising, low budget, and the broadcaster it became very high rated actually. And the network's Friday night slot, both in ratings and lineup. But financial problems began rock rocking the company. So it was canceled in favor of Raw is War moving to the network. 
And yeah, uh, and I bet you to this day there's prominent wrestlers who still are owed money by Paul Heyman. Well, after uh, they were canceled, ECW struggled. They tried to get a new TV deal. You know, times were changing, bro. You couldn't just do the live events. Like, um, even in Japan, New Japan had their TV show, right? Um, All Japan had their TV show um, back in the 90s. Um, It wasn't just about getting people in the seats. Uh, and, And we know nowadays that the whole wrestling business is all about TV rights fees, right? So, right. Um, different time. Uh, ECW Hardcore TV aired for the last time in January 7th, 2001. And it was Guilty as Charged, the company's last pay-per-view. And then they did a show in Pine Bluff, Pine Bluff, Arkansas, that would be its final event of any kind. Living Dangerously was scheduled for March 11th, but because of financial trouble, it was canceled. Heyman could not get out of financial trouble. ECW closed on April 14th, 2001. Moment of silence. Heyman, who became color commentator for Raw that February. So it's like, dude, Heyman was just, he was on his way out the fucking door, right? I mean, yeah, he pretty much, uh, his parachute for himself was to be right away. Go, I mean, yeah, yeah he was go probably. Go back to the big company. Yeah, exactly. Um, he replaced Jerry Lauder, Jerry Lawler, who had quit. You know, you've heard this story. He quit WWF in protest after Stacey right. Carter had been fired. We've Miss all heard Kitty. that story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Heyman never told his wrestlers the company was on its last legs. He also noted in later years that he had made an effort to put ECW on the USA network. So that looks like there's a lot of drama there that you and I have no way to comment on. Yeah, I mean, I could see Heyman as a guy that, in his mind, he just never gave up on the possibility. I've had and... bosses like that, that they just, they're always positive, even if they know it's not, oh, like, just uh, just give me a few more weeks, man, we're going to get this. Yeah, and I, I feel like he wasn't necessarily trying to not pay his talent or get away with not paying him. He just honestly thought, he was going to eventually do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but at the same time, you look at someone like uh, um, SBF, right? You know, SBF and crypto, all that stuff. You know, Do you yeah. know the health story? And uh, what was his company yeah. called? I SBF don't know, but he was FTX, just a guy. FTX. He just got in way like, over his head. Yeah. Well, no, the thing is, like, yeah, I took tons of money from the company, and, you know, I just didn't know what I was doing. So. Right. You know, and over his head. That's the perfect term right there. I yeah, I think Paul Heyman's a little smarter than to be in over his head. But uh right. that was a long time ago. Um so we talked about this. At the end, the company had one million three hundred eighty five thousand five hundred in the bank account. And not even in the bank account. We're talking like liquid funds and stuff. So they had a <laughs> They had a library of videotapes for $500,000, a 98 Ford truck for 19000 and the remaining inventory of their merchandise was worth $4. Mm. Um, it was a sub wow. keychain or something. The highest amounts owed to talent were they owed 150000 to Rob Van Dam. They owed 145000 to Shane Douglas. They owed 47000 to Francine Fournier. Um... Uh, and in 
2003, WWE bought their assets. Oh, oh 2003. That's, a, that's actually a big deal, right? Well, it seemed like they would have bought that earlier, but yeah. No, they did WCW first, right? Well, that's true. That's true. And then I think, uh, I think at that time, I remember thinking like, oh, wow, WWE just, they're buying everybody. They bought it. Hearing about it. (laughs) Yeah. They bought everyone except, you know, Ring of Honor. But, uh. But did they exist in 2002? Yeah. Ring of Honor? Yeah. Didn't we do a wrestling in ROH? You should know that. We did. Yeah. I don't remember the year. I don't remember either. In my Um, head, I'm I'm like 2005 or something. Yeah. Something like that. So there, there, there. But ECW does not die there, as it lives on in each and every one of our hearts every yeah. year. But they and also did a thing, right? Yeah. Yo, did you pass out, brother? No, I'm good. I'm just leaning back. I got my. I know you look comfy. I'm just yeah. making sure you're not falling asleep. We only no, got a no, little no, bit I'm left. Good. I'm good. I should pull something like that too. You look comfy. Uh. But I, go. I, I got some. No, I can't because I got to look up all this stuff. You just get to talk. I have to look up stuff. Okay. The alliance. The alliance. So, ha- have you gone back and looked at the uh, invasion and seen the disaster that I? It's like the best idea ever that turned out to be a disaster. Are you talking about the WCW yeah. invasion? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we all know the reason why that didn't work. It's very, very simple. The WCW, a lot of the stars didn't. Yes, the WCW did not have the uh, the proper talent. Had some good talent that kind of came in, but they just didn't have the talent that they needed to pull something off like that. Um, I thought it was that WWE didn't use the correct talent. Like that. Well, no. Well, of- when WCW was bought out. You had guys like Kevin Nash, Goldberg, Scott Hall that were basically being paid to be at home for two or three extra years. Oh, okay. And from a business standpoint, do I go work for WWF 300 days a year or, or do, do I, I just get write paid? on my contract? Or both. Well, do I do nothing or get paid for two years or do, or do I go on get- the road? <laughs> and I'd be like, I'm going to do money. nothing, dog. I'm so fucking it, 30 years it, old. It, it didn't make sense for them to go out and perform when they, you know what I mean? So they were stuck with, they had Booker T um, and maybe like Jeff Jarrett who got fired right away, if I remember correctly. Um, but then you were stuck with Chris guys ben like, Long. they came over before the WCW purchase, don't forget. Oh, okay. Eddie Guerrero yeah. and Chris Benoit and Saturn and- were already over. Okay. So you were stuck with guys like, you know, and t- to an extent, these guys were ended up being kind of productive. Some of them, you had guys like Huge Erection, Palumbo, and yeah, uh, Hugh Morris, I guess, maybe, um, Sean yeah. Stasiak. Um, wow. You know, yeah, right. See, you didn't really have the the type of firepower you needed to really pull that off. You'd want the NWO. You'd want, you You'd know, want like Sting. Goldberg, Sting, yeah. NWO. Yeah. Um, and okay. okay. So they just didn't okay. really have the, uh, the ammo to make that work, I guess is the right word. Yeah. 
So a few months after WWE uh, had bought them and there was the demise, ECW resurfaced as a stable in part of WWF Invasion storyline. And on July 9th, 2001, um, Heyman, who had been hired by the WWF as a commentator, as we talked about, um, joined several former ECW alumni on the roster, uh, Rob Van Dam and Tommy Dreamer, and claimed that he was bringing ECW back to participate in the invasion by themselves. Um, however, the ownership of ECW, including the use of its name on air, was dis disputed, despite Heyman still technically owning the company when he jumped ship to the WWF. What a confusing situation. Jesus, dude. Um, so yeah. they, they tried to do all sorts of stuff. Um, the, the defection of WWF superstars, the alliance, continued the shift as less focus was placed on WCW and ECW performers. In fact, with rare exceptions such as Van Dam, the ECW alumni in the alliance were given even less focus than WCW's performers. With WCW's logo even representing the entire stable, the feud lasted six months and concluded with WWF defeating the Alliance at Survivor Series when Kurt Angle attacked the Aust Steve Austin and The Rock, uh, or allowing The Rock. It it's a lot of there's a lot well, of nonsense here. Allowing The Rock, who had gotten self, self attacked by Chris Jericho, so there's all this storyline. So it pretty much it just didn't work out that well. Um. In 2003, they did do a uh, rise and fall of ECW, okay? Yeah. Seems a little early, right? Um, yeah, I guess, but I mean, there was enough... It was pretty close to tell about it, I guess. I mean, it was already fallen by that time, and, you know, I think this was when, you know, WWE... He was starting to kind of expand their universe and acknowledge all the things they've bought as part of kind of their lineage, I guess. Yeah. Um, um, they're saying the really good one was a DVD called Forever Hardcore by Jeremy Borash. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really good. Uh, interviews with Shane Douglas, Sandman, and Raven, the wrestlers who are integral to the history of ECW. Um, and they were not featured on the rise and fall of ECW because they weren't under WWE contract. Um, yeah. So if you look at this Forever Hardcore, it talks about Sabu, um, New Jack, and New Jack's another guy we didn't mention. Yeah, yeah. yeah and and New Jack admits admits to attempting to kill Vic Grimes. Um, in the rematch to their notorious scaffold match. That would That's that would be for one... the XPW episode. Okay, so there was a New Jack uh, ECW wrestler, um, dangerous bumps, stiff hardcore wrestling, uh, shooting on opponents, mass, the mass transit, transit incident. Incident. There you go. You'll be um, Seventeen-year-old Eric Coolis, an aspiring wrestler who used the ring name Mass Transit, was seriously injured tag team match against the gangsters um and the most serious severe injury occurred when coolest was bladed too deeply by new jack so he cut into his head and he cut him real deep probably caused him uh -huh. to lose a ton of blood right yes i mean this was one of the most infamous i wrestling mean, incidents. incidences yeah. yeah uh new jack was a unique Eric. we could do a whole episode on new jack um what a just polarizing figure 
uh, in passed, the history passed of away recently. Passed away recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's not go too deep there because, yeah. like you said, that's a whole new jack. I mean, that's a but, whole thing in itself. But a very big party ECW had the epic uh, entrance where he would come out to Natural Bone Killers by Dr. Dre. And, just, and it would just play. It would just play through. He would come in a way like Homeless Jimmy. He'd come with a shopping cart full of weapons. Uh, and he would just start <laughs> oh, tossing cool. them into the rings. He would just start tossing them into the ring. Um, oh. While the Dr. Dre song was still playing <laughs> the whole time, like Beautiful. you said. And uh, definitely he, you know, his influence is still seen today in different things. Maybe not as much now, but uh, definitely one of the iconic ECW uh, performers. Okay. Um, I want to state that, uh, later on things did kind of change in 2005. They started talking about ECW more and they, they were, you know, there was kind of that nostalgia factor we talk about and they did, uh, ECW one night stand on June 12th, a reunion, um, that featured ECW alumni. And after the financial crisis, 2006, 2007, they did uh, ECW One Night Stand 2006. Um, this was the one that features the Rob Van Dam versus John Cena match that everyone has to go watch if you haven't seen it. It's fucking wild. It was right? absolutely insane. I mean... I, I don't want you to say too much about it, bro, because if people listening have never seen it, it's really something you need to just go watch because it doesn't matter what area you're from. It's, it, it fucking, it's incredible. Just the scene of it, like, it, <laughs> you don't usually get this sense from a WWE show where basically the crowd is on top of the wrestlers. Yeah, also you're not often worried about the babyface getting beat up after he leaves the fucking arena. Right, and, you know, John Cena getting his shirt thrown back to him about ten times. Yeah. And if you want to wedge, I won't even, like, it's funny that I'm going to say this, but if you want to see what an ECW crowd was all about, if you want to see what the whole vibe was of what ECW and the rejection, was to offer, the rejection of, of the, the establishment, yeah, right? I won't even say, oh, watch Barely Legal '97, their first pay per view. That'll give you a whole. No, I say you watch this match from 2006 it's, when the company was folded for five years, and that gave you a better understanding of the vibe. And the uh, ambiance of what ECW was, was you yeah. had the biggest star in WWE at the time. He was a baby face, if I remember correctly. Right. Oh, yeah. And you had Rod Van Dam, who was everyone's favorite wrestler in 1998 that was watching ECW. And, <laughs> you know, and up you to had... that point, they thought was kind of underutilized and underappreciated in WWE. Right. Yeah. And just watch that match. I mean, obviously, just watch the match. I, I yeah. there's so much we could say about it, but uh, yeah, you'll see some crazy shit. And even the angles afterwards are real different than you're gonna see on a modern. Uh, the, oh, the angles yeah. of JBL and Kurt Angle and the uh, uh, SmackDown versus very, 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 very different than anything you see nowadays. So uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, they definitely came back with it in 2005. Like we said, we did, they did the ECW one night stand. They had a few of those. Uh, but, but after that, it was kind of 
seen as kind of not a great thing. I mean, they tried to do ECW again. You have people like CM Punk that kind of came through the rebranded ECW. Um, Bobby Lashley, uh, yeah, Vince McMahon yeah, was Bobby an ECW Lashley. champ, I think. Uh, Jesus. With the do-rag. Um, under the WW, okay. So at ECW One I'd say in 20, 2006, the, the brand would continue to operate until February 16th, where it became defunct and was replaced with NXT. Um, wow. And then, now, sometimes you have some ECW influences. Um, matches featuring a rule set of the ECW promotion were classified as being under extreme rules, right? Right. But now, that's kind of... Extreme rules is like a whole pay-per-view. Right. So, um, following... This is some later stuff. Tommy Dreamer's debut in TNA, a new stable was call, called EV 2.0. Um, started and it was let's see who was in that hardcore justice okay he didn't tell me he was in that who's in that so evie i don't know man you're talking about I'm trying me to figure my, this out tna my lapsed time there you go al snow bill alfonso brian kendrick johnny swinger mick foley raven taz so they do a little know. thing in tna okay yeah um sure it worked and for then after after that, House uh, Dreamer founded House Hardcore, a promotion named after ECW Wrestling School and Empire, inspired by the hardcore style of wrestling. Since then, House of Hardcore has held numerous wrestling events in areas where ECW was held. So, is that um, still follow- a thing, House of Hardcore? I don't know if they're still going on, but I heard of it a few years ago. Um, I think is it still going I don't on? know if it uh, might have been a co- the death of COVID. Yeah, I mean it was big until COVID. I wouldn't say, yeah, oh, no. it was... You're right. No, no, no. It is a 58 event. The April 11th 58 event at 2300 in Pennsylvania was postponed due to corona. And that was like it, Like many huh? sporting events, the next House of Hardcore event is depending upon the coronavirus. And then we never heard from again. That's rough. Yeah, I think, but since then, Tommy Dreamer kind of works for Impact now, so... Okay. He's had a good relationship with TNA slash yeah. uh, Impact. Um, following the closure of ECW, a handful of new professional wrestling promotions would launch or expand to fill in the void that features former talent. Ring of Honor would launch in 2002 after RF Video's owner Rob Feinstein convinced to fill the ECW void by starting his own wrestling promotion and distributing its made-for-DVD production through RF Video. After several ownership changes, ROH is currently owned by Tony Khan, the owner of All Elite Wrestling, other hardcore prom- promotions such as CZW and XPW would try to follow suit in years ahead. So, but never, none, none of them quite would get to that level. No, um, there's been some viable, you know, companies that have survived. Um, but I'm not survived necessarily. But I've, you know, I would argue done... that AE, AEW. Um, while not quite ECW level, does do a good job of representing some of the more hardcore matches. Oh, for sure. I mean, guys like John Moxley and yeah. you know would have been absolutely huge in nineteen ninety eight ECW. Mm, um, absolutely, dude. And, know, and guys like Takeshita too. Takeshita would have been great. Um, Hangman Page. So 
Page, Takeshita, John Moxley. But even, I know we kind of, the Mike Awesome thing, one thing I wanted to say was a huge thing. Um, you look at my two latest trines, Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka. And having... wait, wait, wait a sec. Did you draw those because you knew we were, we were going to talk about it? Um, they might have had a little bit of an influence in that, okay. yeah. Okay, I was just wondering if that was random. Um, no, I think I was like, oh, he's going to do ECW, so it might have made my choice easier I love, that I night. love the Tanaka, by the way, with his blading scars on his head. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is he liked it, and then he, sh- uh, I don't know if he shared it, but- Oh, nice. Uh, in the description, you know, I wrote, uh, you know, since I drew Mike Awesome yesterday, it was time for Masada Tanaka, one of the best rivalries in the 1990s pro wrestling. And well, yeah. what I liked about him liking it, he went back and also liked- the Mike Awesome uh, drawing. Oh, so I feel awesome. like he read it and, you know, it was kind of cool. Um, Not because the man, and he's wrestling in what Noah right now. He's awesome. Right. And um, still going. So if you want to watch some of those matches, um, Mike Awesome, one of the most under uh, rated and just just athletic yeah, underrated. big man you'll ever see. You know, um, I don't even know what, even about saying big man, like just wrestler in general, because sure. I didn't know about him until last year. And when I did watch him, man. I was like, yeah, I was just like, dude, this guy's fucking crazy, bro. And, and he really was too. He did some wild shit that you will see on like AEW nowadays, like once every couple weeks. But And he almost, him and Tanaka, I mean, if you want to see just kind of a, you know, I know there's the, you know, Bret Hart, Stone Cold stuff, the McMahon, Stone Cold, those rivalries. But, um, you know, that Tanaka and Mike Awesome, I don't know if they had two, three matches, whatever it was, um, in that circa 98, 99. I mean, rivalry. Yeah. I mean, I know ECW had a lot of rivalries and stuff, but just go out of your way to check out Tanaka. Awesome. Tanaka and awesome. Go out of yeah. your way, guys. Um, there's a lot of other good stuff, Justin, specifically when we do talk about these Japanese wrestlers, um, you'll see a lot of great stuff from Dick Togo and they're, they're like six man Japanese yeah. matches, um, Grand Hamada, stuff like that. Um, there's some real great stuff there, guys. You go watch, uh, go watch Taz versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Yep. You know the match I'm talking about? Yes. Uh, when he threw him through the entrance. Um, when he, he when t-boned he, him. he he threw him off the entrance into chairs, which was wild, yeah. and then he backpacked Taz through the ring and broke the hole in the ring. And, and of course, uh, if you've ever watched ECW television back then, you remember the night Kumano Wanalea danced upon the ECW arena atop these, the ECW These arena. were iconic moments, guys, yeah. back when our cable uh box had like a digital red number on the front and you had like 50 channels right. yes so and then you always had the friend did you did you always have the friend that had the black box absolutely that's how i used to get yeah. a lot of my wwf pay-per-views um Being i know from the colorado we didn't get up. we didn't have that in colorado but i imagine in la the black box was very popular yeah it was easier to stay not spoiled too so i would get that uh you know um you know, Monday Night Raw, we didn't have the time zone unless you had a friend that had direct TV. So a okay. lot of times we would get the VHS from a friend mm. at, uh, of the day of the pay-per-view on Monday morning. And then as soon as we got oh, home from nice. school on Monday, we would watch the 
pay per view, and then and when it was done, Raw Raw started. Yeah, so that's how. Yeah, pretty cool. Wow. Right? <laughs> it was cool back in the day. Although I'm so happy we don't have to do shit like that nowadays. Um, right, but at least it was now easy. We... I, I I can't open my phone and see. Oh shit, Sonata one. <laughs> you know that's true. That's true. That's true. But uh, no, I appreciate that, guys. Look, there's a lot more we could talk about about ECW. Neither Justin and I are experts on ECW, but it's something we find interesting and we think is interesting to the history of wrestling in general. And we respect almost all the competitors and athletes that went through it, including those competitors or, or even managers that still go to nowadays, uh, like a little poly dangerously. But there's so much history there. You have Benoit, you have Nancy Benoit. You have, like, the New Jack, and there's just a lot of history, whether good or bad. You have the um, Mikey Whipwreck, you know, the Dudleys, mm-hmm. um, the, the idea of mainstreaming hardcore wrestling, which we see on Wednesdays every week now, right? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely something that took it out onto the Western. I mean, they didn't have explosives matches. They no. didn't necessarily have you know, barbed wire death matches, but, um, you know, just the chair shots and the blood. Um, oh God. Chair shots. You know, I never want to see again, to be honest. The blood. Both. And, and honestly, Justin, at my age, it actually scared me as a kid. Um, you were four or five years above me at yeah. my age. I actually remember seeing ECW and thinking I am too young to watch this. And so I, loud, I did the right thing. Uh, you know, bouncy house style rings. And the crowd just freaking out and screaming, you know? Yeah. Which is like, unless you were watching a lot of Japanese wrestling, like a lot of crowds weren't that crazy. Um, no, so. it was it was definitely like, it was Philadelphia. Hey, <laughs> the Rockets. Well, it is Philadelphia. You know. And we will uh, see what, well, you know. WWE's going back to Philadelphia this year. You know they're going to play that nostalgia card. So we'll yeah, see what that I'm, means. I'm wondering what kind of ECW. I would love to say WrestleMania goes extreme, but I don't think we'll see that. But well, we'll definitely. Uh, they're definitely going to do something because it's WWE. They know right. that nostalgia is like a lot of their money. The of NXT gonna... show will be called Barely Legal. I don't think Barely Legal will ever be addressed on the show just, again. Yeah, I, I even think, so. think porn is even going away from that now. So, uh, as a porn it, aficionado. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're even getting away from that. Now it's called, like, you know, it's it's more of something like, like almost... Extremely legal? Extremely legal, Nothing yeah. Nothing to see here. Which Everyone's is, like, best of of, the best yeah. of both worlds. Like, no, they're all 40. They've been yeah. legal for 20 years. So, anyways, guys... Thank you so much for listening to us. Justin, it was great having an ECW conversation with you and Definitely, a little bit yeah. about LA. Um, a you're awesome, brother. And uh, next week, or the, in a couple weeks, or next week, but probably in a couple weeks, we'll be back into the normal gist of things. Yes. I think we might be talking about Puerto Rico by then. Um, but we'll go. also be talking a little bit about AEW selling out uh, or trying to sell out Wembley, which I think we all hope they do. So we'll have a lot sure. more news coming up in the next two weeks. Thank you guys for everything. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. And I will talk to you well, guys thank you. later.